You're listening to audio from Plank Grove Harvest Church located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankgroveharvest.org. Frosty morning. I guess I'd rather have this morning than the, the rain of Wednesday. I appreciate the rain. That's a great blessing as he waters the earth, the Lord does, and, and works in that. But uh, it's kind of breezy this morning. I was out feeding the we got some, some goats that were born out of time, kind of like Christ. They were born out of time, and so we got to feed them out of time because uh, uh, the mom is not doing her job. So it was brisk out there this morning. I'm excited to see you here this morning. Glad to, glad to, um, I was talking to Jed, you know, and, and um, where we started, where we started in the school over there, on days like this, whatever the outside temperature is was whatever the inside temperature was. It was quite, quite breezy in there. And, but luckily in the summer, it was nice and warm in there too. So we had, we had reverse air conditioning going on there. So whenever, I just remember we had one uh, state there where we about three or four Sundays in a row and then like the high was 20 or 24. And what was this? Remember that? Man, my feet were freezing in there on that concrete. I was like, Man, we got to go. But anyway, God's, God has been so good to us. His blessings on us. New every morning, great is thy faithfulness. Luke chapter 2, 14, we're going to, next week on, on Christmas morning, Christmas day morning, 10 o'clock we'll have our service here, and in general what we do in that is we'll sing Christmas hymns as they're tied to the, the scriptures there in, in Luke chapter 2, Isaiah 9, and Matthew um, 1 and 2, and, and we'll study those scriptures together, we'll read through them as a church. And then we'll, we'll go about our way with our families and, and things like that. We won't have a meal next week, but we will have that time of singing hymns and songs and, and praises together in that morning. Um, but as we prepare for that week to come, the thing that struck me the most is things are going on in the world today. We read Psalm uh, 45 this morning about being at peace uh, no matter what's happening in the world. If you watch the world, if you watch the news too much, it'll make you crazy. I mean, you're to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves and all. But if you watch it too much, you get to, you get your, it'll mess up your peace. It'll mess up your joy. Um, it shouldn't mess up your joy, but it'll mess up your happiness. And uh, you'll get concerned about the things of earth rather than the eternal things. But Luke 2, 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest, those angels proclaiming it on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. And in tying that peace to the peace that path us all understanding, which is the peace that we need in John 14. That's where we're going to be today, John 14. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace. El Elohe Israel. God, the God of Israel. That's what we studied on Sunday night. I think it's one of the things that we miss the most. Even as believers, we really struggle with this identity thing between ourselves and who the Father is. The purpose of Christ to come to bring reconciliation for man to the Father, the Father sending his Son that we might find peace on earth, goodwill towards men, that we might find peace in him, and in the thing that Christ gives to us, giving us his peace. Um, um, Jacob, he, he renames, God renames him from Jacob, supplanter. We would call that a, a weaselly guy, a rascally guy, a backstabber. He's always, he's, and his name, his name was, uh, was the example of that. I mean, he, he was named after what he was. He's a heel grabber. His brother's trying to be born and he's trying to get his place ahead of his brother. He reaches out and grabs his heel. Then at the moment where God comes and he wrestles with the angel overnight again, it's, <laughs> it's kind of funny is that uh, God speaks to Israel, God, now Israel, once Jacob, now Israel, changes his name. And he says, because you have contended with God and men and have um, prevailed. And it's kind of funny because if you read the story, you realize that um, Jacob wrestling with God is like me wrestling with Moses there. I mean, Moses ain't got a chance, right? And so the best Jacob could do is just hold on. And then Sunday night we thought about that. You know how when the, the little kids... You know, if you go to visit, and they got the little kids, and they don't want you to leave, and they sit on your foot, and they hold around your leg, right, and you're trying to walk with the heavy kid on your foot, you know, and you're stumbling around the house, that's all Jacob had. All he had with God was to grasp at his heel and say, you got to bless me. And the Lord said, I'll bless you. I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to call you Israel, because you've contended with God and men. You rascally devil, you grab me on my foot right now. You won't let me go, and so I'll bless you. 
And what I don't think many people get, if you want to find that story, it's Genesis 32. But if you want to, the thing that I, I think a lot of believers in this age, many people, they would come, they would say they were a Christian because they weren't a Muslim or they weren't a Catholic or they weren't a, a, a Jew. But the only way you're a Christian is if you're of Christ, if you're following Christ, if you're seeking the Lord with your whole heart, if you've repented of your sin and you've turned from your wickedness and perversion of way and have clung to his heel and asked him to change your name. May your name be found written in the book, in the book of life. Because if your name's not written in the book, then you can sing all the Christmas songs you want to sing and, and, and put up as many decorations and give as many gifts and put up the Hanukkah candle and all that menorah, and it's not going to save. It's not going to help you. It's not going to give you the peace that passes all understanding. You got to repent. Israel repented of being a rascal. And he began to change. Jacob, no longer Jacob, but now Israel. He still contends with God. We are a contentious people. You don't think you're a contentious people? Read God's word and see if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, and see if you're caring for the widow and the orphan in their distress, and see if you're doing the things of God that he's commanded you to do. This commandment, this new commandment I give unto thee, love one another. True and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, that you would care for the widow and the orphan in their distress, caring for the prisoner in chains for my word, concerned about the, the, the poverty of the brothers and sisters in Christ, spiritual, persecutorial poverty as they exist in other countries under great suffering, if none of those things mean anything to you, then it's time to examine yourself and see if you're of the faith. That's what the Bible tells us to do. So with that beginning, I want you to consider starting and, and consider looking into God's Word this week. Um, studying to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth, correctly understanding the Word of truth as God has written it down, so you're understanding it in the right way and digesting it in the right way, meditating on it in the right way, and see if you're of the faith. Because if you're not, you'll never have this peace that goes beyond understanding. And I pray that today will be the day of salvation for you, if you're not saved, that you'll call out in repentance and faith and, and ask the Lord to save you so that you can have peace on earth, goodwill towards men. For the Father to begin with that promise in Luke chapter 2, so he sends the angels with the message. So these angels we saw last week was in the throne room itself. They knew the Father. They had been in his presence. Man doesn't know the Father. He has no understanding of the Father, how, how good the Father is, what the Father's makeup is, his power, his creative power. We can search and we can struggle, like it says in Ecclesiastes. This is the whole duty of man to understand God's word and to, to make it a part of who you are in your spirit and your system. But, um, but we don't know the Father. He had to send a messenger that was outside of time when he sends the angels, and the angel gives the message, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then the, the shepherds received it. And then the shepherds went and they told many people, it says, of the message that was told to them. So if God sends the message with the messenger, his messenger, the throne room messenger, he sends the message, there will be peace on earth and goodwill towards men, and God is no liar. He is immutable, unchangeable. Um, his word is truth. He's going to produce peace. He's going to produce a means of peace among men that men could understand who God is and be reconciled to him through Christ but men are so incredibly selfish and narcissistic, their only thoughts are those of evil and that continuously. Just as in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. It's going to be the same. And we're in that day now. Look at men, how they treat one another. The cruelty and the harshness and the anger and the wrath. Where's that peace? And how can it be obtained when everybody is so self-seeking and so unrepentant? I'm talking about the body of Christ. Not to mention the world. Where can the peace come from? In John 14, 27, as I was reading John, read John a number of times. A lot of times I go on a mission trip, I'll read through our little Gospels of John. I read it in Spanish and English, so I'm ready. I got the right, 
uh, page, when I have to give it to someone, I can say, just go to page 14, that's in the English, page 16 in the Spanish, where it has, for God so loved the world that he, <laughs> he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth upon him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. And we can learn that God didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but through his son that the world might be saved. And in that, people can understand it through Yeshua HaMashiach, people can receive hope, they can receive salvation, they can receive eternal life. And in the book of John, in chapter 14 and 15 and 16, there's an, a, a thing that I, I guess I didn't, I guess I knew it, but I didn't know it. It's kind of like, I don't know if you ever listened to Rush Limbaugh, but sometimes you'd listen to him and, and he would say something, he'd put it in such a good way, you're like, I knew it, I just didn't know I knew it. And he'd put it in a better way where I understand it a little better. Or whoever a great speaker, uh, uh, whoever a great speaker is, I gave Jed a, a really nice um, um, message from Charles Spurgeon this morning. I mean, it's not anything I didn't believe or understand, but he does such a great job of putting it together. Hate that guy. Man, he hits a home run every time. I'm lucky to get a single. Grounded out. I mean, I barely can make it there, you know. Man, John 14. John 14, 15, and 16 is the last will and testament of Jesus Christ to men on earth not just to men, to the disciples first. And in chapter 17 is the notarized statement at the end where it goes for us as well. Um, it's very detailed, very extensive. Um, the Bible tells us in Proverbs, it says, a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Not his children, but his children's children. And I don't know where you're at in your estate planning, but we're... Christ was in his estate planning was he gave an inheritance to his children's 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 children whatever we are ever how many generations we are from this time of all these people that had received the word of God and went away glad and then they couldn't wait to tell someone else who told someone else who told someone else who eventually told you maybe it was some little old lady in church I'm, I'm pretty sure for me it was a lady that gave me the the message of salvation when I was a, I was really small I'd say six or seven years old six I think and like I told you before, I was so running around the house and, and so wild and woolly, my parents were like, what is wrong with you, you know? And I told them I'd been saved, and, and they were like, you even know what that means? I don't know what they said, actually. I probably, like I said, I probably ended up with a spanking because I was so wild. They were like, we'll take that, we'll take that happiness right out of you, son. <laughs> Calm down. No, I mean, no, no, they wouldn't have done that. But it was just, I was so happy. I didn't even know what I'd been freed from. I didn't even have that much opportunity to sin up to that point. Later on, I made up for it. But in that time, I hadn't even sinned all that much, maybe. But I knew that I was free from the weight of death. I didn't even understand death. At six, you don't understand death, generally. But I knew I was free, and it was good. So we gained as an inheritance from those that were passed on, but it started with Christ, the inheritance. He gives us a tremendous inheritance, and it's not just the fact of our daily provision of our daily bread of food or shelter or clothing that you wear. Um, but if you went down through that list and then went to Romans and then went to Corinthians or went anywhere else, you'd see that not only does it, he have these things that I'll tell you about today, peace and joy, the Holy Spirit, but we gain his presence, his favor, his spirit, uh, abundant fruitfulness, his peace, his joy, and a thousand other things. The joy that you get from going outside and seeing uh, wildlife do what they do. The joy that you get from watching your kids grow up. The joy you get of seeing another person accept Christ. The joy you get from having a meal together in, in good fellowship with one another. How good it is when brothers dwell together in the house of the Lord. The joy you get from that. Whatever the joy is, how he provides that, how he gives you the the, the intelligence, the brilliance that you have that you never give him credit for, how he gave it to you so that you can acknowledge and understand who God is and the greatness of his creation is dwelling among men. But in the initial promise to the shepherds, those of the lowest state, which I, I hate to tell you is you, um, we're very well off in America, but as far as spiritually, you're as as worthless and low as the shepherds were. And it wasn't until the peace was presented to you that you became 
alive in you. He made alive in Christ. He made you alive in the spirit where you were spiritually dead in your trespasses and sin. He made you alive. He gave, breathed life into you. Not the life that came from your mother's womb, but the life that comes from the spirit being filled in you. And the Father promises peace. And it's a supernatural possession. And it's given by God. And it's given to Christ, or it's, it's sent through Christ. And in Christ, gives it directly to us. And you'll see that if we want to read it out of context, we could really quickly. 14 and 27, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Let it be afraid. Uh, let it be af- neither let it be afraid. Sorry. So I want us to read... Uh, a majority of 14 and 15, we'll read just a little part in 16. Because I want you to understand the peace that's given and the gift of God that's given, not the the simple, I mean, there's a lot going on. I don't want to say that salvation is simple. It's that and a million things more. Um, I got to tell you one other thing. It was in Isaiah 9, 7. And it says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And if you go to your translation, if you went to Isaiah 9, 7, you would see that that part where it says, there will be, is not, it's in italics where they try to amplify it for our understanding of the scripture. So if we didn't put that which was added, we said, of the increase of his government and peace, no end. The amount of peace that's able to be poured out upon you, if you would receive it, there's no limit to it, nor does it stop growing. So start with that. So the peace that Christ gives that we're going to see, I want you to see two things. First of all, number one, it was his possession of peace to give. He owns it, and he can give it away if he chooses to do that, Christ we're speaking of. And second, his peace is the same kind of peace that he personally enjoys. It's not the peace that we have among men. In fact, it says that in 27. It says, uh, not as the world gives. Not that kind of peace. That's not the kind of peace I'm giving to you. Uh, the peace he gives is the same excellent divine peace that he possessed with God since eternity past and eternity future. So I want you to see those two things. Let's read uh, John chapter 14 and 15 and a little bit of 16 there. John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, in the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father, go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I'll pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper, that he may be abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the word can, world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I'll not leave you orphans. I will come to you a little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you will live also." At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word, and my Father will love him. 
and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You've heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. <clears throat> if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, but to lay down his life for his friends." You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love its own, Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know whom they sent, who sent me. If it had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened, that the word might be fulfilled which is written in the law. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. You also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. And look at 16, verse 15. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. A little while and you will not see me. And again a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. As far as the earthly estate goes with Christ here, he doesn't, there's just not enough, there's not a lot to pass on. Um, I mean, the Romans even take his clothing. I mean, so as far as physical things physical tangible things he doesn't have a lot of possessions there if you recall he says foxes have holes but the son of man has no place to rest his head he he doesn't even have a home he doesn't have a, a plot of land somewhere he can divide up among the disciples but that wasn't the point anyway the disciples were to move on and spread the word spread the gospel so any of those things probably would have tied him down tied them down but he does possess all things under heaven and on earth he has it in heaven under heaven and on earth. So we got the, the third heaven where God dwells, and in the atmospheric heaven, that of the, the stars and moon and all those things, and then the, the heaven that surrounds us, uh, just the clouds and so on that we see, and the earth, and even the things under the earth, so all the way down to the core of the earth, whatever's in there. He owns all of that. And he says, all these things are under my control, my possession, and we see that again in Matthew 28, um, all authority has been given unto me. It's all mine. And I'm going to give it to you. If 
you're my child, if you're my brother, my sister in Christ, son, daughter of God Most High, and it belongs to you. However, in this time on earth, there's no need for men to have attendance over these things. I mean, they'll just distract us. Too much of a good thing, you know. It'd keep us from um, probably doing what they're supposed to be doing, what we're supposed to be doing. We'd just be worried about accumulating more. If you remember, even as the disciples go out and they're, they're reaching this person or that person with the gospel, they say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have you I thee. I mean, I don't have anything, but what I do have is the very word of life. And you possess that as well. As a believer, you should possess that. You should understand that and know that. And then also what I want you to see here, before I kind of go through this list of the, of the gifts there, can a person give something away that they don't actually own? Can I, give you a, can I give a going away present to someone? Can I give someone a Mercedes and not have ownership myself? I mean, I better have the money in the bank or the ability to get the title, right, in order to be able to give it away. I was listening to somebody talking about they had rented an apartment from a lady, and they had lived there a couple months paying her rent and everything, and one day a guy shows up and he goes, who are you people? <laughs> anyway, she was renting an apartment. It wasn't hers to some other people. And then the owner came and booted them out. And if you can get away with that, cool. But that's not how it works. That's not how the will and testament works, right? You've got to possess the thing in order to be able to give it to your children. I can't give away what I don't own or have legal access to. And then secondly, in general... When are wills and testaments put into effect? What has to happen? Somebody's got to die, right? The testator has to die in order for the inheritee to inherit, whatever the word is. I'm not, I don't know if inheritee is actually a word, but you know what I'm saying. The, the greedy so-and-so to inherit it. I saw a funny commercial. These two young people are standing on either side of this old scraggly-looking ant, and she's in the bed, and they think she's died. And they're like, finally, that old bag died, you know? And the other one's like, oh, yeah. And then, um, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to get my hands on this or that. And then the lady sits up and calls for the, the uh, butler or whatever. He comes, she signs some other papers, you know, some about being sure about what you're talking, you know, securing your, your conversations on your cell phone or something, you know. Um, make sure they're dead first. But after they're dead, you get the stuff, right? It takes the death of the testator for the testate E to receive the things. And um, I don't know how many legal documents you've signed in your life, but if you've ever bought a house, say, and you go in there to do all the paperwork, it's a stack of paperwork, you know, sign here, and this is title insurance, and this is make sure you got the deed, you know, filed, and this is this, and this is that, and you know, and a stack this big, you sign here, you don't even know what you're signing, right? It's kind of what's going on in John 14, 15, and 16. If you'll read that really carefully, you'll see there's a lot of and so on kind of things going on there. It's not just the fact that he's giving these things to the disciples to carry on and produce in the, in the lineage of people that's going to follow him. There's a lot going on there. But the thing I wanted to focus on were these gifts that he, he gives. So I'm telling you, go back and reread John 14 and 16 slower with a pencil, and you'll see what I'm talking about. He wrote his will out. He both spoke it, and then Luke, or John here, wrote it down. So we know what's in the will. It's good to know what's in the will. No shadiness going on. He even tells us in the will that Satan has no part of this will, that he is in direct conflict to this will. People do that all the time. you got the one shady relative that doesn't need to be in the will. He's going to make you sell the property. You know, everybody else wants to keep the property and the family. Strong had that, had a farm, wanted to keep the farm, but there's this one cousin, aunt, or whatever they were, and they're like insisting on selling the farm. That person doesn't exist in this will. This is only for the good people of God. That's all this will is for. And that's good to know. We don't have to compete with the evil one. We don't have to compete with the world in this will. It's all given to us. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That's how it starts in 14 verse 1 and 2. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. The first thing he gives in this will, we don't want to focus on too much. We'll get you know, bogged down in that, but is this, you know, actually the word is room, but we, many, the, many translations say mansions. I go to a play, a, prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions or many rooms, many additions. So as a father would have um, 
a son or a daughter, a son generally, and the son would go and get his bride, he'd sneak out, get the bride, bring her back, but he couldn't do it until he completed the room on his father's house. The father had to inspect the room. The father looks at the room. He says, okay, you've done enough. Otherwise, the guy would just put a tent in the yard and say, all right, I'm ready to get married. And the father says, no, we've got to get this room. It's got to look nice. It's going to be the bridal chamber. The woman's going to be here. She's not going to be happy living in the yard. So we're going to build it nice, put a nice roof on it, put some decorations in there, some um, lights and a jacuzzi or whatever, and we'll have that all nice, and then you can go get your bride. And so, so there's a time, and Jesus knew that. He said everything was in his father's time. When will the son of, return, son of man return? When it's the father's time. When the last room that's ever to be built, the last addition for the last believer that's ever to believe is completed in that moment, Christ will return and he'll take men to himself. And it won't be until then. It's up to the Father. But until then, you can know that there's a place prepared for you in eternity for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So that's the first thing is we have a place to go. But besides the mansion, if you start in 14 verse 11, you see that a very key element of this is believing in Christ. Without the belief in Christ, you're not in this will. You're outside of the, not just outside of God's will, so to speak, but the will, the testament of God. You're outside of the testament. You're the same as Satan. You're of the earth. To not be born from above means to be born of below, to exist below. To die in existence below without being born of above, you stay below. You don't go above. Um, anybody get a... I, I, did I tell you I got an inheritance recently? I should have told you this. I'm, I'm flush, man. You guys don't even know. I got a 1952 Hudson Hornet as an inheritance. It's rusty, doesn't run, it's got four flat tires. But I did get an inheritance. <laughs> it's not the best dwelling place because the rats and the smell of the rats that existed in that dwelling place is very intense in my 1952 Hudson Hornet. Um, but it, I mean, it was kind of cool to get something, but now that I have it, I'm kind of wishing maybe they'd have considered someone else. But... Um, but the dwelling, the eternal place that God provides to us is, is not like the things that men give to one another. I mean, even the very best that we can give, especially outside of fellowship with God, it says is filthy rags. All of our righteousness, all of our selfish human righteousness is equivalent to filthy rags. Human, disgusting, coated rags. That's the best we can do in our own strength, our own power, our own righteousness. However... With Christ, we, we have an inheritance much greater. If I look at this book, if I look at this testament right here, I can see first that he provides me a place. Second, that the only way I have access, the only way I get the key card, or now the code for the lock to get into the place, like on um, Pilgrim's Progress where you had to present the scroll. Without the scroll, you're not getting in. You got to have the scroll. You got to have the key. You got to have the secret code or you're not getting in. And the secret code is Christ and Him crucified. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. Without His blood on you, His righteousness on you, there is no hope of having the place attached to the Father's house. There's no hope. But with the blood of Christ applied to you, you have access to the Father through Christ and have a place to dwell with Him in eternity. Therefore, believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of my, the works themselves. Don't you remember all the things that I did? John says at the end, there's not enough books written to contain all the things that he said and that he did, all the people that he healed, all the people that he raised from the dead, all the people that he, that he fed, spiritually and physically. So the first thing is belief. So once you believe, then you get access to the retirement package. Before that, you have no access. Now, you're in the will. And the next thing he gives is the spirit of truth comes immediately after access uh, to the Father through Christ. You got the secret code, that is, You've believed, you've repented, you've turned from your life of worldliness, and you begin to follow Christ. 
taking up your cross daily, following him, doing the will of the Father, doing whatever it is ministry that God's called you to do, you're doing that not in in not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saves not we're not doing the stuff to get the access. We did the thing of believing in Christ and that's about it. And he did all that. The only thing you brought was your filthy rags. So he fixes you. Then he provides you with the spirit of truth which can overcome that that scarred conscience that you've you've overwritten by your sinful life. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Can't receive it unless you have Christ. Cannot have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you without Messiah. It's the only way. Because the world neither sees him, Christ, nor knows him, Christ, but you know him, the Father, Christ, the Holy Spirit, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. This will doesn't cut you out, it cuts you in. 14.27, peace I leave with you. My peace. Not just any peace, not a temporal peace from your kids finally being quiet in the back seat and stop playing the I'm not touching you game. Like eternal peace that goes on eternally. A peace that passes all understanding. That's Philippians 1 7. That's a good memory verse for you. That peace. And then look at 1511. These things, this also in the will. Well, here's here's one little troubling part. Be careful. You're in the will. Stay in the will. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. Abide, abiding with Christ. It's a thing you can actually work towards in your life as you dwell daily in his word, as you're seeking to do his will on a daily basis, as you're not a carnal believer that's, you know, I'm saved and that's enough, and you go live your own life in a secondary way. But verse 11, these things, 15 verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and your joy may be full. Joy and fullness of joy, not temporary happiness. I mean, my happiness can be affected by the things that you say to me or the things I say to you. My happiness can be affecting, affected by, you know, getting in a car wreck or getting, you know, whatever, the things that happen. The look, you know, you got the look. If you're married, you know the look. The look from the, they don't even have to talk, they just give you the look, right? And all of a sudden your happiness is distorted, right? You're like, what happened? I don't know, you gave me the look. It's on now. And it affects your happiness. But the joy is a completed thing that's at a deeper, deeper level. It keeps the captive hopeful in trial. It's based on the love of God for the individual believer, regardless of the outside attacks or pressures of life, of the things that happen. Terrible things happen to people every day. Terrible. And the person that knows God is drawn closer to him in those oppressive times or persecutions or sickness or sorrow or, or death. He's drawn closer. He's not pushed away. The weak-willed believer in times of oppression and sorrow, he flees from God. But the wise believer falls on his knees before God and, and asks him to do whatever he will with his life. Make me, crush me, mold me, mend me, refine me, teach me. The teaching of God is very painful many times. But it's in those where the joy can lead to zeal. I was looking at the Ukrainian church. It's pitiful what they've done over there. They bombed the fire out of them. And then, so a lot of the, apparently the Russians are going in there and have gone to churches and they started kidnapping pastors. I mean, this was in a public article that I read and then I read it in another in a, in a Zola Levitt newsletter and then I saw it again in a, uh, in uh, maybe World Magazine or something like that. So, I mean, it's not, over a hundred and something pastors have just disappeared off the street. They just take them. And this one guy and his son was a pretty active pastor. And they saw, when they found them, they had been tortured for at least three days before they killed them. I'm telling you, if you guys, you know, go to the dark side or whatever and they get me and they're going to, just, please, kill me. Don't play with me first, just kill me. I, I don't know about the pressure of persecution that comes from ongoing torment like that. But these people knowing that their pastor was abused and, and every kind of terrible suffering and then killed, then another guy rose up and took the people into the countryside. It's wintertime there. It's a lot colder there than here. Um, and they had church services. Because zeal for my father's house consumes me. 
They can't, because of the joy that is full in them, they want to worship regardless of the persecutions of men because this isn't all there is. And the joy is going to be deeper and more powerful, more zealous than happiness. Happiness is so fleeting, but joy is real. The next thing is stumble-free shoes. 16 verse 1, these things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. Run the race of endurance. Remember that? How are you going to have endurance? The race that's set before you. Each person has a certain amount of suffering they're going to walk through or painful things or problems with their spouse, problems with their kids, problems with their health, problems with their money, problems with their government. Um, I was talking to Joel, uh, Pastor Joel in Peru, his dad. So we got... We got communists um, overtaking Peru right now. In fact, Ch- uh, sorry, Chile, Venezuela, Mexico, Colombia, and one other country is sending in people to encourage to kind of fan the flames among the populace to get this communist thing going. So they just kicked the one communist president out of office, and now what's left is the people are, are rioting and killing people on the streets. They blocked the roads. Like me and Jed were there, and they just piled stuff on us. So they blocked all the roads. So now they got the police force out there. They got the military out there. But if you're out there on the street, I mean, it's, it's just mixed nuts what happens to you. Maybe they kill you. Maybe they kidnap you. Maybe they hold you for ransom. Maybe they force you to do one thing or another, profess communism or whatever. And so I called Joel the other day, and... and um, I talked to two Peruvians there. The first Peruvian's locked up in his house in terror, and, uh, and I'm having to talk him off the cliff. The second one is Joel, and I'm talking to him, <clears throat> and, I, I, and I, he's got a nice shirt on, and I can see behind him the square there in Sarasul. And um, I said, what are you doing, man? It's about 6 in the morning, yesterday morning. And uh, he called me, actually, because he had a problem in his church with some people, some infidelity in his church. He's like, what do we do? What do you say? What do you do? I said, where are you at? He goes, man, I'm out here in the, in the square. Um, I was going to meet this guy and, you know, I was going to do some, um, some evangelism and then I'm supposed to go talk to these people in their home. So you've got two opportunities there. You have the opportunity to remain in fear in your home. When you see your government do terrible things, you have the opportunity to stay in your home and be fearful. You have the other opportunity to go out and not stumble. So I pray for shoes that don't stumble. If you've watched me, I stumble a lot. I trip a lot. I've got big feet. I don't pick them up high enough. It says that in time, they will put you out of the synagogues. The time is coming that whoever kills you will think he offers God a service. And these things they'll do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. I'm telling you up front that when our president signs into law a thing that says, the homosexual marriage and transgender thing is protected by law at the same level um, from discrimination at the same level as, say, a black person or a, a handicapped, mentally handicapped person or a disabled person, that they're covered by the same rights. I'm telling you, it's already happened in uh, England, it's happened in Canada. They will come and they will shut down churches over this if someone's willing to speak against paganism and wickedness in the culture. I'm telling you. But may we never stumble. I've given these things and this will to you, this joy and this peace and this knowledge that you have this place of retirement after death in my Father's house and the Helper, the Holy Spirit that's with you each day. Telling you these things so that when these days come and they kick you out of the churches like in Ukraine and they tell you you can't preach the Word like in Canada, where they arrest you in China, that you won't have fear, but that you'll, you'll tromp on with your brogans. Remember those boots that the Romans wore that had the hobnail boots or whatever? So that you'll just hobnail boot it on down the road. That you'll do the work of an evangelist, that you'll do the work of a minister of the gospel that you've been called to do. You can do it. And the last thing was in 16, verse 33. Peace, peace, and more peace. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Um, so people ask me all the time, I don't know how this happened. We're just in a time where everybody's hope for the rapture. 
Prepare for the tribulation. That's what I'm going to tell you. Where are you at? You pre-trib, post-trib, a-trib, pre-millennialist, all millennialist, are you a Calvinist, Arminianist? I'm going to tell you. You better know the Word of God so that you have peace. Amen. You better be ready for tribulation and persecution because it's coming. Pray for the rapture. Prepare for the tribulation. You can't go wrong. It's guaranteed money. You got the anti-stumbling boots on. You got the peace. You got the joy. You got the, the residence. And just know that it's coming. These things I have spoken to you that in me, you may have peace. In me. Not in your nice clothes, your nice house, your nice car, your nice dog, and your kids, and all the things that we put so much trust in. But in Christ. If your hope is not in Christ, you're hopeless. In him there is peace. The, end, the, the, the Prince of Peace has come. He's established his throne already over all nations, but the nations are rebellious towards God. Even many believers. Um, but this, this is just the beginning. This is boot camp. Salvation, baptism, that's boot camp. You know, the training, that's the, the, the test of testing and perseverance of the saints. It just happens as you exist as a believer in this life. But, but the victory, the medal of honor, the crown, it comes at the end after you croak. It doesn't matter. This is so temporal. Quit holding on to the temporal things and seek the peace of God. If we could get the peace that passes all understanding and it's only in Christ, then we got the thing that we need the most. It's my peace. The thing that, I, that really kind of floored me is whose peace it is. Christ possesses the peace it's his, it's all authority, it's on him, it's his peace. And he says, here, you can have my peace. It's not the peace that we can get from doing our own thing or, or, or uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, not, I'm just teasing. It's not being a prepper. Being a prepper is not going to leave you peaceful. Prepper all you want. Store up some, so that's wise. Have some extra food at the house. Have you some gold, silver. That's good, that's good, good thinking. Have some extra uh, Marine Corps call it beans, bullets, and bandages. You got to have that stuff before you go face the bad guys. You need all that stuff. You know, you're going to need it. Times could change. They could turn the power off tomorrow. We could have a snowstorm and we could all be sitting in the dark. You'll be glad if you have an extra can of gasoline in the garage and some, some beans to cook on the stove. But that's not the thing that's going to give you peace. That's going to cause churning in the gizzard that you don't have enough <clears throat> beans that you don't have enough things oh if i just had bought five more boxes of ammo i'd have been okay man if it takes more than one box to get it done i'm telling you you ain't gonna make it no the peace it's got to be eternal peace the peace can only be possessed by one who knows christ and the power of his authority and then like i told you chapter 17 we'll not read it this morning but Verse 4, it says, I have glorified you. 17, verse 4. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. That's where Jesus takes his big marker and signs his name like John Hancock on the bottom of the wheel. I did the work. It's all done. And I give you my peace. So this Christmas, this Christmas season, as you deal with different people, first for yourself, ensure that El Elohe. Israel is your God, God, the God of me. Make sure that you do possess his peace. Without Christ, there's no hope. But the hope that he gives brings us peace. It brings us rest. That psalm this morning was so nice because it keeps having these, first it talks about all, you know, when the waves are rolling and the storm is happening, the earthquake's happening, and then it says, Selah, rest. And then the next says, God's in control. He's got all this stuff. And, and he's doing everything. Rest. And then last, he's, God says, I, I am, I am me. Rest. You've got to understand that for yourself. And if you don't, today could be the day of your salvation. I pray that you would uh, seek the Lord while he can still be found. Today. And tell people. I tell people a lot of times, if I just have a short time with a with an employee, I mean a like you're buying a little meal or something, you're buying a coffee, and I'll say, hey, did you go to church on Sunday? You don't have to hit them with the work. Hit them with something. No, nah, I don't really go to church. Grandpa was a believer, whatever. All right, listen. The Bible says seek the Lord while he still may be found. I pray that you will. Okay, have a good day. Yeah.
Hope to see you in heaven. You got to tell him something. You got to. It's coming apart. As believers, we're called to do this work. I pray that you'll accept the ministry of the gospel that's been assigned to you by the Lord when he gave you a spiritual gift. And I pray you put it into action today. I have one of my favorite songs, Christmas song, and it's a recent favorite. Um, um, oh, Holy Night, that's a good one. Depends who sings it. Some of those girls can really belt it out. That's, that's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, of uh, doctrine in that, in that. And I heard people that are not Christians, one like Celine Dion, uh, sang it and did a fantastic job. Mariah Carey does a fantastic job. But in her heart, she's speaking the words of Christ, but I don't believe that she's a saved person. She doesn't live as a saved person. She says terrible things against God and against people of God. She worships everything under the sun except for God, but she's singing high praise to God. But this one song that I, and, and it's just something I, I listen to that, I'm like, wow, these people are singing the name of Christ, but they don't believe it. It's sad. But the other one was, uh, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. It's an old song. Henry, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote it back in the day. Um, his wife was uh, doing something with her dress, mending a dress or something. It caught fire and burned her to death. Her, his son was in the um, Civil War and, uh, uh, and had been injured. And he's just kind of walking the streets around Christmas time and he's, and, and he hears the bells ringing in the church, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And he's like, man, there ain't no peace on this earth. There's sin and there's death and destruction and sorrow and suffering. There's no peace. But then the bells ring louder still. And he recognizes that there is peace on earth, goodwill towards men, through the atoning work of the Messiah. And um, it's a great song. Casting Crowns redid the song. It's real nice. You can find it on YouTube or something. Maybe you listen to that. As you're getting ready this week, maybe it'll motivate you to speak the words of life to another. Father, this morning as we come before you, Lord, and, and ask you for you to bless the word that was spoken, I thank you for your goodness to, to us, the fact that you provided this nice place for us to be, to worship together, Lord. I pray that these that are here, that zeal for their Father's house will consume them. First, I pray, Lord, that you would make yourself very real and evident to every one of us here. I pray for your your lampstand to be in our midst and never be removed, Lord. I pray for your Holy Spirit's anointing precious oil to be filling that lampstand. Lord, I ask for your mercy on us as we, as we live in a world of wickedness. We're surrounded by temptations and the sorrow of the world, Lord. But in that, Lord, I pray that you restore us in peace. I thank you for these that have come today, Lord. I pray that they hear the word and go away glad, that they receive the word and they speak it to others. They don't just keep it for themselves but they use it as an offering unto you as they give it to someone else. Father, for those that are here today that may not know you, Lord, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would cry out in repentance and faith, save me, Lord, and that would be enough, and that they would follow you in obedience and baptism, that in those things they would seek to turn from their wickedness and become a child of God. Father, thank you again for this time and for these that have come. I thank you for the food, the hands that prepared it. Thank you for the fellowship to come. We give you all honor, glory, and praise in the name above all names, in the name of Jesus. Amen.